0: Welcome to the Bring Your Product Idea to Life podcast. This is the podcast for you if you're getting started selling products or if you'd like to create your own product to sell. I'm Vicki Weinberg, a product creation coach and Amazon expert. Every week I share friendly, practical advice as well as inspirational stories from small businesses. Let's get started. Today I'm talking to Liam Murphy from Sticks Mindfulness. STIX is the world's first handheld sensory product designed to encourage children to take control of their well-being by making mindfulness fun. The Stix remotes use audio, haptic feedback and calming lights to guide kids through fun and interactive therapeutic activities involving balancing, deep breathing, guided meditations and more. Companion app gamifies the experience, rewarding children for practicing mindfulness. I had a really great conversation with Liam. I found his story really interesting. Liam explains how this whole product was actually part of his project in the last year of university and since then he's done lots of work, um he sought investment, gone through rounds of crowdfunding and um and it is now a product that you can buy. Um, I feel Like I say, I found the whole thing fascinating. Liam is the first guest I've had on who sold a product that is both a physical product and a tech product because there is the app side to his product as well. And yeah, I think this is a really fantastic, interesting conversation and I would love now to introduce you to Liam. So hi, Liam. Thank you so much for being here.
1: Hi, Vicky. Thanks for me.
0: Well, You're welcome. Can we start by you please giving an introduction to yourself, your business and what you sell?
1: Sure. My name is Liam. I'm the co-founder of Sticks Mindfulness. And we've created a product that makes mindfulness fun for kids through interactive technology. So the product is two handheld devices that guide children through um, sort of audio-based meditations that are interactive and involve movement. So we have activities that focus on balancing, deep breathing, guided meditations and more. And the sticks themselves sort of provide audio um, and sensory feedback through lights and haptics. Whilst also uh, gamifying the the whole experience on the app afterwards. So, the idea is to make mindfulness fun. We launched the product in February this year. So, we're selling through our website. Um, And yeah, it's been amazing seeing it in the kids' hands and um, sort of seeing the product turn to life.
0: That's brilliant. Thank you. Um, And let's start right from the beginning, Liam. What inspired you to create sticks?
1: So, I'm a product designer by trade. I studied product design in Brighton University. And my final year project was focusing on alternatives to medication for kids with ADHD. Um, and that was inspired by my brother's ADHD growing up and his experience with medication and it not working for him. And that does work for many children. Um, but for him, he didn't like taking it and it was worse side effects than the ADHD itself. So he had to learn how to deal with his ADHD. And going through that as an older brother, When you're young, you don't really understand what's going on, but when you're older, you realize the struggles he went through. That inspired me to look into exploring alternatives to medication for other kids uh, growing up. And as a person who practices mindfulness myself, um, I was quite interested in exploring how mindfulness can help children with ADHD or just children in general. And went through various stages of research, ideation, development and launch, um to create a very early concept with the sticks device which looks nothing like what it is today um that was the, the end of the university project um and that was sort of how we got to a, a sort of basic um prototype at the start so yeah all, all inspired by my younger
0: brother. oh that's amazing and really lovely as well <laughs> and Let's, we'll talk a little bit more about the, sort of the creation side of the product in a moment, if that's okay. But um, first, let's touch on a little bit about how and why mindfulness is so important for children. Because um, you mentioned you practice mindfulness yourself. So if you wouldn't mind just speaking a little bit about the benefits of it.
1: Sure. So I mean, if it, when I was practicing it recently, um, well, when I was at university, I was doing it for stress and anxiety around exams and sort of hand-ins. Um, and I found it particularly useful. And it made me think, why didn't we practice this when we were younger? We didn't do anything like that at school. And I'm pretty sure they're introducing it now into schools. And that's part of our drive is to get sticks into schools to teach people mindfulness at a younger age. But it's so important to learn at a younger age is it teaches teachers sort of different emotional regulation skills, uh, teaches them mental resilience, which will support them as they grow older. Um, and when you realize that 50% of adults with mental health issues right now actually develop them before the age of 14, which says we need to invest more in prevention of these mental health issues. And we can start by introducing mindfulness at a young age.
0: That's brilliant. Thank you. And I completely agree. I know that my my children are still quite young there at primary school, and I know that they've introduced breathing exercises, which I know is only one element of mindfulness, but I think it's actually a good place to start and at least gives children some tools. And I know the sticks obviously give a wider range of tools for children.
1: Yeah. I mean, so we so the product we've launched now has 12 activities built into it. And we developed those activities alongside experts at Brunel. Uh, so we had a psychology expert and a mindfulness expert who teach us the mindfulness skills that we can integrate into our technology. And so we've set out 12 activities that are split into four categories. So we focus on mindfulness of the body, the breath, thoughts and feelings, and also of the heart, which is a nice sort of way to sort of introduce curiosity and love and um gratitude and stuff like that to children at a younger age. And each of these activities involves sort of movements and deep breathing. So they've got they've got that deep breathing element to to them all, but they also introduce skills that they can then take out into the world afterwards.
0: That's brilliant. And I guess your product is quite unique as well. Because I'm just thinking that it is a physical product, as in you I'm assuming you buy it and it comes in a box, but then there's the app that goes alongside it as well. So was that quite challenging creating a product that had those two elements to
1: it? Yeah, no, it really was. Um, If I take you back to when we started product as a business, it was just a screen-free product. Actually, no, that's a lie. It was a product that controlled a screen. So it was um, two remotes that controlled something on a screen and the mindfulness activity would show you what was happening on the screen. But from speaking to parents and children, we found that the parents themselves didn't like the screen element. They liked to have more control over what the children saw. and giving them a phone before bed, for example, wasn't the way they wanted their kids to practice mindfulness. Um, But the kids themselves needed some sort of extra motivation to actually do the activity. So we introduced an app that isn't necessary for the product. Uh, So you can use the product without an app, and it can be completely screen-free. But then if you want to sort of encourage the child to keep using it, you gamify the experience with the app. Um, So by completing an activity, you sync up with the app, and some stars, which you can then use to customize your own monster avatar. Uh, but in, in terms of, sort of developing both the hardware and an app, I think the most difficult thing is the sticks of two remotes. So they talk to each other, and then those two remotes also speak to the app. So it's a three-way conversation, which is much more difficult than just having a sort of phone-to-device um, sort of communication. It's the three-way piece, which was very difficult for us, and we had to get over several... Um, technological sort of humps and setbacks that we had throughout the journey. Um, but then as, so I'll give you an example. Having two products that speak to each other, they have to be in sync. Otherwise, even if it's just a fraction of a second, it drives you crazy because you've got a voice that's talking on one side and it sounds like an echo on the other. Um, but then this also having to pair up with the app afterwards um, just threw in a whole load of challenges that um, wouldn't have been there had we only just developed one product.
0: So you mentioned that you're, you know, you were studying product design. Um, but I guess there was a big technology aspect to this. So did you have to put in a team of people to help um, move this idea forward? Because it sounds like just such a, a massive undertaking because, yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to tell you why it just does. So was okay. this something where you had to put in a lot of other resources to, to get this made?
1: So when we started, we, we actually started by applying to an accelerator program the Central Research Laboratory and they essentially helped us for six months to build the product into the business but also support us with the product development team and they helped us develop the basic concept and turn it into something a bit more um a bit more developed for um, pitching to investors and showing kids that you can show showing the kids how it works. Um, and through that period yeah we had a really supportive team from the accelerator And that helped us get to a point where we could then um, try and reach out and build a team. So we um, were successful with applying for a grant, which helped us hire an engineer and an app developer. And then from there, we um, brought on a CTO who sort of led the some technological developments. And yeah, so the team's grown to about five or six now, um, which we wouldn't have been able to do without them.
0: Wow. And it feels like that's happened relatively quickly as well. I'm trying to keep like trying to keep track of the time <laughs> scales, but it feels like you've done this pretty quick.
1: No, so so we've been working on this for about three years. Um so yeah, I mean, to get product from a sketch to a, a release product in three years, I think is reasonable. Um but yeah, it was it didn't happen overnight.
0: Yeah I, I think it's quite vast for a project you know that this that's this complex um so at w- what point so you, you mentioned this was part of your project for your last year at university so at what point did you go oh actually maybe this is something I want to do commercially
1: um so I got a job straight away out of university and, um it's quite lucky in the fact that I can accelerate my career straight away but as I was sat there every day it was an itch scratch and I wanted to take it further and I was typing up notes on the side, looking at maybe where I'd get it manufactured and um, what the next steps would be to develop the concept slightly more. Um, but it wasn't something that I really knew how to take the next step towards um, until one day I got a random email from this accelerator program that I applied to saying, we found your product online, we think we should apply. Uh, so I gave it a go and asked my dad, if he want to come pitch it with me? He um, was free at the time. And so he came along, we pitched it together, got onto the program, and then decided actually, yeah, let's give this a go for the six months. Let's see what we can do, where we can take the concept. And if it's something that at the end of it looks like it's got some legs, then we'll go full steam ahead. And, yeah, we got that grant at the end of it to help us hire a team and develop a product further. So we were lucky with that.
0: Absolutely. And it sounds like this is an accelerator programme that you have to pitch to join. Do you have any sense of, and I know you, you. this might be a tricky question, but do you have any sense of what you did or why your product was of interest to the accelerator? I'm just trying to think if there's anything that people can take away.
1: Yeah, I think the story behind why you want to do this. Uh, there were so many great products there that, you know, the product alone isn't going to get you, you know, the investment you want or the grants or anything. Um, you need the story behind it, the passion, the inspiration um, and the drive, really, because that's what people buy into at the start. When you haven't got a fully working product, people buying into you, the story and the passion uh, so they can get involved in it as well and provide their support to help you get it to that stage to actually grow.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. And when you're talking about the accelerator program at the beginning, you were talking about investment. Was that part of your strategy? Have you been able to get investment?
1: Yes. But yeah, we've done a free seed round, um, and it was very difficult, must say. Um, when you're, it, there's always a hurdle you can jump over to sort of be better. And even now, we're looking to uh, carry out a seed round, and we're, we're thinking, well, you know, we could do this to make ourselves slightly better before going out and trying to raise money. But it comes a point where you need to go, you no, know, let's put all our effort into raising the money. We've, we've done enough. Um, there is always better, um, and so. Yeah, you need to have that sort of talk with yourself and work out what you want to achieve before going to raise money and what people are going to expect from you before you take that money.
0: Yeah, and I imagine that's a really hard balance between what you want and what you're prepared to offer as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. And um, especially in this economy now, I'm sure investors will try to drive down all sorts of valuations. Um, and so it's just make sure you're... Firm in your belief of what you have and what you value business at and finding the right investor to suit that, that valuation.
0: Yeah. And so when when was the project actually available, uh, product actually available to, to buy? When did when was it launched?
1: So we launched it in February. Um it was a bit of a tight deadline. We so we did a Kickstarter campaign in May last year, and that helped fund the manufacture of the first batch of products. Um and so we were delivering those in February whilst also launching in February. So it was a real tight turnaround to build these products in-house which is we got them assembled in the UK so manufactured in the UK but assembled in our office uh, so it was a lot of work putting them together getting them out the door whilst also launching to the public um, for them to buy off our website but yeah we, we launched different for children's mental health week and we've so, yeah, been it since so yeah it's been a real <laughs> journey plus great so far
0: that sounds like good timing for launch I assume that was strategic <laughs>
1: It was, and we, we had to meet that deadline, which is why I was so busy, but uh, it was definitely with nothing
0: And is that, I guess, tying it into an event like that has probably helped? Because um, I've had other businesses on here before who sold a, a unique product and I would say your product's unique um I haven't seen anything like it anyway um what are some of the challenges you face with with selling a product that's completely unique because I'm assuming um I know this is a big question we can always break it down that there'll be lots of parents who haven't heard of mindfulness who don't know why it's good for their children so there's that side of it and then there's also educating them on what your product is what it does um that's quite a lot isn't it to convey
1: yeah, and it's really difficult to know whether you're conveying the right information, whether they understand that information. And we found that out the hard way because we launched, thought our website was perfect, having just done a redesign. Um, but then we found that you know parents were spending ages on one certain page, which you didn't even think was relevant. For example, the returns page, for the sales policy. They spending two minutes on average on that page. And we were wondering, you know, how can we prevent that? Why are they doing that? And so, what we did was add a 14 day money back guarantee to the main store page in big bold as a badge. They could see it straight away, and that added a level of sort of um, belief in the product and um, makes them realize okay, if it's not something for me, I can return it, and that's fine. Um, Whereas, when it's a product that's so new and they don't understand it fully, it's really difficult to invest this amount of money in The product 159 pounds, investing that much money in a the product they we don't know, they've never used it before, they've never seen it before, they don't know if it will work. Um, and so it's trying to build that trust through various techniques like money-back guarantee or uh, testimonials and videos from users. Um, and even um, one, one example is adding a booking link to our website. So if anyone wanted a, a quick call to ask a question, they could just go ahead and book whatever suited them and that allowed them to sort of ask the questions that we wanted to hear because we wanted to know what what we're missing from the website that they didn't understand we would provide our time to them tell them about the product and then from that we learn what we need to improve on the website
0: i love that idea that is so smart and how you found the take-up are you finding lots of people are booking those calls
1: What we're finding is more people are actually just messaging through um, the sort of website chat, and it's an automated response, but it also comes up my phone, so as soon as I see a question come in, I'm instantly there to answer it as quick as possible because I want to get that feedback from them and make sure they understand what they're seeing. Um, So I think people just prefer that easier text um, side of communication rather than actually booking a call. But, yeah, we've had a few conversations with people, and it helped us understand, you know, the shop page may not have enough information about how the product works and it's just about you know the price and delivery and what what is what the product is and show the benefits Um, and so we've changed all that and made adjustments to the store page in order to educate people better
0: yeah that makes sense and how about in terms of sort of raising awareness about the product and the fact that it even exists what are some of the things you've done there
1: yeah i mean we've been learning throughout we're still learning today so um Probably one of my key takeaways for today is: I think we can launch straight away and it will run perfectly, but you have to keep adapting, keep changing your marketing messaging, uh, your methods of marketing. So we've launched um, social media ads, and you know they go through ups and downs of um, sort of engagement. You get really good engagement, and good sales, and then it can just run and drop off. Without changing anything, uh, it's about refreshing your content, making sure the people that are seeing it that aren't buying it. And then seeing something else to convince them um, to sort of take that sale of the line. Um, we've been doing emails just trying to educate them on what the product is, but also how it's benefiting people out there that have it. Uh, so we've got some great uh, case studies on our website about uh, the product supporting children's anxiety um, and, and SATs exams at schools, in schools, stuff like that. So there's lots of information there, and it's just about guiding people to it so that they can see it before making that, that purchase.
0: Yeah, and I imagine that is quite a, quite a job because, as I say, it's something that parents necessarily aren't necessarily looking for. Um, so yeah, there's lots. I guess there's lots of hurdles, isn't there? For at first, people be able to find the products, and then realise what the benefits are, and then figure out how it works. There's actually a lot of boxes to tip. That must be a real challenge.
1: Yeah, it's really hard to look for something you don't know exists, and so people are sort of out there wanting something to support the children's mental health and to add to their toolkit of of tools that they use to support their children's mental well-being and without knowing what sticks is or what it does they don't know it's there so it's about getting out there proving that it should be part of that toolkit um, and then just staying on top of the ads and with the emails to make sure you're getting the messaging across.
0: Yeah, and like you mentioned uh, quite in the beginning of this call, I think you were mentioning about sticks in schools, and is that something you're working on as well?
1: Yeah, it's something we're working on at the moment. So we're running about 10 trials at the moment in 10 different schools. Um, we've just completed one in collaboration with the ADHD Foundation and two schools in Liverpool. And so, yeah, we're just trying to get out there, and learn how it's used in schools, because it's a completely different use case to at home where a kid can just drop up into his room and use the product. When you've got a kid, uh, when you've got family, a school full of 30 children, and you can only use it one at a time. It's about understanding how the teacher interacts with the product, where the child takes it and uses it. Do they need the teacher there for support? Do they need a tablet or a phone to activate the activities? Or are they happy just doing it offline and not getting the rewards? Um, when I say offline, that's the screen-free mode that we have. And so the 10 trials we've been doing, has been about learning you know how it's used in that that case um so now we can go and pitch it to more schools and say we've had these schools use it this way and it's helped children in this way Um, and that's why we should have it in your school Mm
0: -hmm. I I love by the way how ambitious you are I think this is amazing and but it is so important I can see why it's so important and it's great like it means so much to you as well. I really like your story about you know your reason behind creating the product. What does your brother think of it, by the way?
1: Oh, he loves it. He doesn't actually use it. He's only 18 months younger than me. So yeah. <laughs> it was never it was never designed for him per se. It was just, it was inspired by him.
0: Yeah, so I know was, what you mean, him. but it's it's nice, I guess, for him to think that, you know, that he was the inspiration behind it. Um what age is children um does it work for, by the way? Let's
1: So at the moment it's primary school kids age five to twelve. Uh, we haven't had older kids use it, and we've actually had younger kids use it. Um, but the kids that are younger still need more support from the parents. So maybe a, a four-year-old sitting with their, their, their parents and doing the mindfulness activities does work for them, but they just need that extra guidance. Uh, but we are looking to develop uh, sort of team-based content as well. So uh, that'll be something we hopefully roll out in by September. Um, so we've got that 5 to find more children.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for explaining all of that. I mean, I've, I've loved hearing more about the products and yeah, I, I think it's fantastic. And I, I'm, yeah, I'm super impressed actually because I feel like it's an amazing product and there's so many elements that sort of had to come together and it sounds like you're doing brilliantly. So thank you for sharing all of that. Yeah, thank you very much. I have one more question, if that's okay, though, before we finish. Um, what would your number one piece of advice be, Liam, for other product creators? So anyone else listening to this, what's something you'd like them to take away?
1: So, I mean, the one takeaway I've held with myself from other people throughout my journey is your idea that's just a concept or a sketch is nothing without validation from people. So don't be scared to sort of go out there and test it and you know, speak to people and have it, state it, and then you improve it and sort of iterate around their comments because other people are going to use it and buy it in the end. However, the sort of adaption to that from my perspective is validation from customers doesn't guarantee success um, you can develop something that really helps people um, but doesn't necessarily get purchased by them. And you need to work out why and you need to constantly iterate on that as well and pivot maybe to a different marketing strategy, different routes to market. Um, and sort of get it. You can build something, test it with people they'll love it, they won't buy it. And so it's how will they buy it and it's working out that route, which um, you will get to but it just takes a bit of time. It's not, it's not perfect, not shows straight
0: away. That's a really good point. Thank you for that. Because I talk a lot to people about validating their ideas and making sure that, you know, you're creating what customers want. But I hadn't actually considered the fact that even if you're considering what customers want, they might not necessarily buy it. And do you think there's any way of finding that out if, unless you're actually asking them for money?
1: Yeah, there are tools you can do. So, I mean, you could maybe sell them a prototype with the guarantee that they'll get the full product when it's available. Um, so that's one technique we tried. However, it's really difficult to do because you know, parting, parting ways with hundred pounds for a prototype when it didn't work properly, it does half of what it should do and what it will do. Um, and telling them they'll get the full product when it's when it's ready, but they don't know when that will be. It's quite a hard uh, commitment for, not for families in our case to make. Um, there are different techniques you can try. There will be, it will be difficult, and none of them are perfect. But um, another example is setting up a fake store page and getting them to click through and take their card out and validate through a purchase, and then refunding them. But again, you're losing a bit of trust with people who have gone and paid you x amount of money um, only to get a refund straight away. It can annoy people, and sometimes that's worse than um, actually validating it. Um, so yeah, it's a, it really depends on the product and. And the approach you've them
0: That's really helpful. Thank you. And I guess your, I suppose your Kickstarter campaign probably did that to some extent because people were going to get a product at the end, but they had to give some money up front. So I guess that must have, have helped to some extent.
1: Yeah, 100 percent And because Kickstarter is such a, a well-known um sort of website to go to, people know that's the process. So th- that's why I would recommend you get started because you can test your marketing and test the customer base. By selling them the product, uh, they get discount by pitching it early. Um, you get the money up front so you can go and manufacture it. Uh, and it allows you to test that market. Um, and it just de-risks it for both sides.
0: That's really helpful. Thank you. And I know I said that was the last question, but I do actually have one more. Sorry, which <laughs> is fine. do you have any advice for running Kickstarter campaigns? Obviously, you did brilliantly with yours. Was there anything in particular you think you did or anything you did actually you'd recommend people don't do?
1: That's a really hard one. Let me write you an encyclopedia on it. um, number one takeaway that starts is is there's so many resources out there. Um, Don't fall for the trap of going for a really expensive agency because you can do a lot of it yourself. Um, However, saying that, don't burn your money away thinking you can do it all once. There might be someone who can help you for a small fee uh, to maybe run your ads and get them perfect so that you're Uh, reaching out to the right customer base. Um, So there's a line between paying loads for support but not paying anything for support and finding a sort of middle ground is is quite I recommend.
0: Thank you. That really makes sense. I think it's a case of maybe knowing what your strengths are and the areas in which you'd need support because I think it's fair to say that most of us aren't good at everything.
1: Yeah, and you can try to do too much at once.
0: Yes. That's very true. Well, thank you so much. That actually really was the last question. Um, Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed speaking to you and hearing more about your product. So thank you. Thank you
1: for your time. I hope, uh, hope the listeners out there go and check us out.
0: Yeah, I'm sure they will. Thank you so much.